0: Hello and welcome to the Exponential Potential podcast, helping you thrive in times of change with your hosts, Claire Oatway and Jennifer Evans, AKA ZenGen, along with expert guests sharing with you uplifting, inspiring, and insightful stories, groundbreaking, rule-shaking ideas, fresh, new, exciting perspective, and truly transformational tools and top tips, as well as generous gifts for you, our listeners, on an array of topics all designed to help you thrive in all areas of life. So sit back and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Financial potential, and uh, we're really excited to be talking with you this month. We're looking at all things new beginnings, um, and spring can often be the start of new beginnings. I'm a gardener, um, and I just love, I just love observing uh, the little shoots as they come up. It just feels like there's new opportunity. The I'm in the northern hemisphere, so the light's stronger, the days are longer. Um, there's still a lot of rain because I'm in the UK but it just feels hopeful um, so we're really glad to be bringing a month of new beginnings and I'm I'm delighted to be joined today by Sean Young uh, who's a podcaster um, from the US and we'll be diving into his story a lot more uh, really soon but Sean's going to be talking about aspects of new beginnings and uh, recovery really and, and shifting forward and and Moving with with courage, I guess. <laughs> but as I say, we'll dive in. Welcome, Sean.
1: Thank you for having me. I appreciate you for uh, reaching out and and uh, giving me this opportunity to share my story
0: with you. So, Sean, yeah, we we've not known each other for a very long time, but you've come across as somebody who's really authentic and. Uh, empowering towards others Uh, you're really open around your journey and your journey as somebody who's a person in long-term recovery um both from your experiences as a veteran and also broader life experiences but but what is what do you mean by that term as a as a person in long-term recovery
1: so um if you look if you look kind of at uh at the the substance that enters into somebody's body when they're in active addiction. And then they start to get into recovery, they start to practice abstinence, uh, or they stop using. Um, The effects of the drug or the alcohol stay in somebody's body generally two years. So we call um, early recovery two years, right? Because you're still under the influence of the substance, whether you believe it or not, whether you uh, have not been actively using or if you've been abstinent you still have the effects of the substance in your body so after that period after that two-year period generally sometime in that time frame uh where your where your brain is is kind of fully healed from from the abuse it's called long-term recovery and that's where we generally start to see a lot of growth in the brain and the body and uh just in the biopsychosocial makeup of a human being so uh, long-term recovery, for me, looks like I haven't put a substance in my body since December uh, 7th, 2019, and uh, that has given me the ability to be a better husband, a better father, uh, a better human being, uh, you know, a just a better person all around because I'm able to give back to my community. I'm able to give my experience, strength, and hope to somebody that may not have it, you know, may be struggling with what they're going through. So,
0: Mm-hmm. and in in this instance we're talking about uh, addictive substances so I'm guessing alcohol and uh drugs but I'm I'm guessing the the term and also the way that you describe the impact on you you know in terms of psychosocial but also your brain activity you know recovery could apply in instances of repeat trauma or abuse or chronic stress or kind of a number of different uh environmental factors.
1: But- Absolutely. Um the the act of substance abuse is not the actual use. Um it is the behavior around it, right? The behavior, the cravings, the 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 I need more, the the I can't get enough, the the addictive part of it. Because when 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 a substance is entered into your body, depending on the substance, whether it's a hard substance, whether it's alcohol, whether it's marijuana, something, you know, any, and really, I mean, we can look at anything, break it down. Energy drinks are a drug. Coffee is a drug. If it's not done in moderation, because it's a mind-altering substance. So uh, if we, if we look at that and, and we look at the way that it impacts one individual, so the biopsychosocial, the the biological makeup, you know, their, their body, uh, the psycho, of the brain, how the brain operates, how it functions, as well as, as how they process things and what actually happens to the brain itself and then the social makeup. So anything outside of that person. So job, friends, family, anything like that. Uh, substance abuse um, really and and mental health really affect every bit of that makeup the biopsychosocial of a human being and it starts to change their atmosphere that's why you see um a lot of uh alcoholics with uh, a schizophrenic um, diagnosis if they decide to go into into um into treatment or into recovery is they they get a a schizophrenic um, diagnosis because some of their symptoms align with that schizophrenia um, and then you see some some people that have done harder drugs. They're they're diagnosed with uh, a bipolar disorder because the the brain is not able to function the way that it was. So they're going from highs to lows all the time. So yeah, um, substance abuse can, can pair along with trauma. And and I had this weird like model that I thought up of when I was when I was going through my training. Mm-hmm. And it's like a life event happens and it creates trauma. And that leads into addiction, right? Because we're trying to cope with with what happened, or we're trying to work around what happened, but our coping skills aren't the best. They're not healthy because uh, we haven't been taught healthy coping skills. And then, so because we're in our act of addiction, we either um, are exposed to traumatic experiences more, whether it's you know self induced or induced by others, uh, and then so. We hit that that, uh, that that mental health crisis again. And then we're like, oh, well, this happened. So what I know helped me, what we thought helped us was the substance. So we go right back to it. It's just that vicious cycle, that, that continuous loop until something happens to interfere, until there's a nexus that it kind of crashes into that, that cycle that stops that cycle of insanity. Uh, we're just gonna keep going in that loop. And I've been in that loop a lot.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and when you talk about coping mechanisms, you often, you know, sometimes I know that uh, I've used substances to escape or to relax or, you know, to just sometimes numb the pain, you know, it's just, it, it, it particularly around um, substances like alcohol that are so freely available and still, you know, legalised, advertised, everything else like that, so she, often Socially acceptable um it's something that you use I guess as a proxy for coping yeah absolutely yeah
1: oh yeah I when when I when I was drinking you know uh, I used to make up excuses as to why I was drinking right so it was like I had a hard day I need I need a drink I've had a great day I need a drink um I'm not doing anything today I need a drink I've done everything today. I need a drink, right? So there was reasons. I found reasons to get to get drunk or drink. But my 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 drinking wasn't so much. I'm going to have a good time to socialize. It's like mm-hmm. I'm going out to drink out the pub, drink, drink out the bar, drink out the club, whatever. And I was never successful. <laughs> I tried many times. I was not successful. Thank God.
0: <laughs> so um, so you. Your story in terms of addiction—you've mentioned that kind of there you've been through a lot. How how long would you say that you were using substances, or yeah, you know, how long would it be maybe harmful use? In, in so,
1: so I'm at a hereditary disposition. So what that means is um, that I have addiction on both sides of my family. Uh, my dad was was an addict. Uh, my mom was an alcoholic and addict. So kind of genetically dispositioned to be an addict or be an alcoholic. That's um the science says it. And and so diving into the science, I was kind of like, okay. Uh but when I was younger and I believe in addiction, I was like, I can quit whenever I want to. That was a lie. Um I started drinking my first actual my first drink was at the age of three. Um and uh yeah, three years old. I went in, uh, my mom had some some people watching me um, when I was a kid, she had to go work and she came home and she found me behind the couch with a whole bunch of wine coolers, just empty. Um, yeah, and, but I mean, it was, like, so that was my initial like exposure. I don't remember, that's what she told me. And then later on in life, like I always told myself, cause I seen the way my dad was and my mom was, I said, I don't wanna be that, so I'm never gonna drink never going to smoke, never going to do drugs, because I'm a good kid. And before the age of 18, I broke all that. Um, (laughs) It was a promise that I made to myself that I I figured that I could keep, and I couldn't um, without understanding the science behind it. So um, I started drinking at the age of 18 uh, when I got to Italy. Um, I joined the Army, and I was this fresh, brand-new soldier, and I was like, I'm going to take the world by the horns, and I'm just going to. You know, be the best I can be, you know, try and be the upstanding citizen, that upstanding, you know, model of what you should be. And then I got to Italy in the first weekend, I was drinking like it was nobody's business. And um, so that was 2006. And. Uh, it was just it, it was. it My very first time that I drank was like you would have thought I was a professional drinker because I drank and drank and drank and drank and drank. And I was like, well, man, I have this, like, crazy tolerance. I can drink all the time and be okay. But, I mean, in reality, everybody seeing that I had a problem, I just wasn't ready to accept it. Um, And so I had periods of of time where I quit because either somebody said, I'm going to leave you, and I didn't want to feel that pain, Um, or I had been in trouble with the Army where I had done something stupid. They couldn't necessarily say it was because you're drinking, but there was something else attached to it, so um, you know I had periods of time where, where uh, I would I would go sober, but I wouldn't like work a program. I wouldn't be in AA. I wouldn't be in any in any support groups. So nothing like that. And I never took anything seriously that anybody told me. Mm-hmm. And then uh, a life event happened in 2019, actually 2018, kind of opened my eyes a little bit. Uh, I don't know how far I can go into it, but I had a suicide attempt. While I was still in the army, and it was a rough. Life, life was just life was not what I had imagined it to be, and I wanted the pain to be over. And uh, I, I made an attempt. Thank God, I'm still here, um, and that I wasn't successful. Um, and then I said, I don't want to drink, right? And then I fed myself this lie that I had always told myself. I said, I'm good enough to drink one. I can drink one, and so. Uh I relapsed again fourth of July twenty nineteen. Yep, twenty nineteen. And that was my very first, my very last relapse. And uh that relapse happened or lasted for about uh about six months. Um and I got to this point where I was drinking every day. Like it initially was I'm just gonna drink on Saturday, and then it was like, Well, Friday's Friday's the weekend too. We can we can, we can fit that in the schedule. Yep. And then it went to, well, you know, there's days where I can drink and I'll be all right. And I can only drink so much. But then it was like, I'm drinking all the time to get drunk. I was right back to where I was before. And um, I ended up uh, catching an assault charge um, in Alaska and went to jail. And I sat in jail It was just like. It's everybody else's problem that I drink. Like, I got to that point where I started blaming everybody for my problems. I said, it's everybody's problem that I drink. You know, everybody else has this problem. There's this old dated man. (laughs) I look like a Viking, right? Because I got the big beard and and it's crazy. And and, uh, he said, Viking, shut up. I was like, who is this guy, old man, talking to me like that? And he was like, you created all these problems in your life. When you accept it, life is going to be better. And so that was on December 27th, and uh, I sat in jail. And initially, I was like, "Man, screw him! I, he doesn't know what he's talking. He doesn't know my life." And then I really sat with what he said because I'm kind of—I'm a reasonable person. Like, if you say something that's going to like punch me to the core, I'm gonna—I'm gonna get defensive. But then I'm gonna think about it. So I started thinking about it. And he made so much sense, and and I was like, I did create all these problems in my life, and the only way that I can like fix the problems in my life is if I just quit drinking if i can acquire time if i can acquire skills to maintain that sobriety and and not run back to the ball so i accepted that on december 27th and that same day i was my bail had gotten posted from jail i had gotten out of jail and i started my my essentially my rehabilitation to
0: get me to where i am today It's huge though isn't it in, in, and 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 congratulations, really, and, and just reaching that point and making that commitment to you and to people around you in order to to make that that shift. That you know, kind of just I can see in your story how every time you switched on and off the drinking for temp, you know, temporarily, you kind of go, yeah, I can switch it on and off. I can switch it on and off. Mm-hmm. But when you married that back up into your earlier comment that it stays in your system for at least two years you kind of just not kidding yourself, but actually you're still in the grip. You're still in the grip without realizing.
1: Well, I had gotten, you know, when when I had those periods of of not drinking, I'm not going to call it sobriety because it it wasn't Mm -hmm. true sobriety for me. Um, I always did it for somebody else. I never did it for me. I said, uh, my daughter's mom, she's going to leave if I don't quit drinking. I don't want to lose her. I don't want to lose my daughter. So I'm just going to, I'm not going to drink. Or uh my my wife she's going to leave me, I don't want her to leave me, I'm going to quit drinking. So it was always for somebody else. The army said I can't drink, so I'm just not going to drink, as the Army said, but this time around, I got to to that point where I said, I have to do it for myself, because God forbid my family leaves. I have nobody to be sober for. And that
0: statement happened to me in December, and I am still sober. oh sorry what you can't see is just a huge wash of holy crap you yeah, know kind of in terms of if my family leaves we've got nobody else to do it for and 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 I think that's a huge that must have been such a huge moment a huge punch in the in the gut <laughs> punch oh my- in the
1: face my that my my family was what seen me get sober they've seen every portion of me right? mm-hmm. um, my 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 soon to be ex-wife and and her daughters they've seen me they see me drunk they've seen me angry they've seen me hateful they've seen me getting clean and sober and they've seen me sober they've seen the recovery that I've made and the lives that I've impacted and it happened at the most uh, <laughs> i guess uh, unexpected moment and it happened so fast i didn't have a moment to say but wait why right um and so i you know i sat there with myself and everybody that knows me is like just don't drink don't drink don't drink and i said guys that's not even in my brain alcohol is not in my brain because it's not going to fix anything that i've ever had all all these problems that are happening right now it's not going to fix it all it's going to do is make it worse and, it, and, and like honest, if I had a hand, if I had a right here, I'd say you know if if I did go back to drinking in that moment, I wouldn't be here talking to you about it. and and that's you know the truth, but that was the last thing on my mind, and I'm still sober
0: mm. so i'm I'm guessing that when you made that decision, you opened up to support to help from around you and i'm I'm guessing because you've been you know, in prison at the time, or you've been through the court system, you know, to some extent, you had access, but it wasn't also a complete choice (laughs) about whether or not you would take up the help.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, So, I mean, I, over the past three years, I've amassed a massive support system, Um, not just with my family or friends, but a lot of people, you know, podcasters, a lot of friends that I've met through recovery, through some of the other things that I do, and when I threw up pretty much the bat signal and said I need help, um, people were there. And, and and that's what I did. I ran to my recovery skills. I didn't stick in that place of, of poor me, poor me, poor me. I, w- I went to my skills that I learned reach out, talk about it, even though it hurts and it's in the moment, talk about it. Because that's the only way that you're gonna start to be able to work through those problems. And yeah, um, I'm in a much better place now mentally and emotionally and spiritually um i can see past my own front door and that it's a beautiful thing yeah
0: yeah and you know we've been talking about your podcast and how you've used your podcast as a way of exploring recovery and hearing other people's stories of recovery and you know that sounds like it's um it offers a therapeutic value to you but also really trying to hear different people's stories as well as share different people's stories is that you know why why did you start the podcast
1: well I started the podcast initially uh, I kind of wanted to uh, after my first year of sobriety um, because when after I graduated out of my program um, Mm -hmm. I entered into uh, peer support training so I I and I think you know what peer support is, but uh, so I went into training, and the last week of the training, we all had to share our story. I'm telling you, Claire, I was so terrified. I was scared because I'm like, people are gonna see me for how I see myself. People are gonna see through this facade that I put up, and people are gonna see that I am really this worthless human being I said that about myself right and um so I I took this index card and I put bullet points down when she said this is what I want you guys to talk about and I was like
0: yeah.
1: oh man this this is gonna make or break me and uh my my peer trainer her name is uh, Jen Galvin I love that woman to death she's awesome she was like, who is it going to share first? And I was like, I'm just gonna step out and do it. So I raised my hand and shared first. And after it, I was sweating bullets. I was shaking. I was just and this was during the pandemic too. So I'm like behind the camera, just like nervous. And I got nothing but love back. Nothing but love. I got nothing but respect and and, and admiration. And it changed the way that I viewed myself. And it, it changed all that. So I said, you know, if my story is impacting other people,
0: yeah.
1: then other people's story is going to impact me. It's going to impact everybody else. So um, I got invited on a show that wasn't even recovery based. It was more spiritual based and supernatural based. Yeah. Um, it was a panel, and I, I, you know, I talked on it, and I had a great time. And one of my and the guy invited me. He said, uh, "You have a voice for podcasting." You have the know-how. All you got to do is just get started. Do you have a topic you want to cover? And I said, Yeah, I do. And he was like, What's well, stopping you? And I said, mm, Guess my brain. And he was like, Just do it. So um, I said, I'm gonna do it. And he started coaching me and, and mentoring me at, when I first started. And I figured, Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna lead from the front. so I'm gonna share my story first. And I shared my story first. I was terrified because it's out, you know, you record it, it's in the atmosphere, it's online for everybody to see. Yeah. I got nothing but love back from it. So then I started, you know, I stepped out of my comfort zone and started asking people to be guests on my podcast. I started with people that I know and then I started acquiring people that I know and then started acquiring people that I didn't know and then some (laughs) more bigger names and it was just like, this is awesome. It feels great. Um, I did it for that reason, but I also did it because every single episode I go into whether I want to be in that episode not because of the guest but because of myself either
0: uh,
1: because of you know my day or my week um, I learned something from them something yeah. I had never known before and and I go into every recording with an open heart open mind and I receive something that I needed that I didn't even know I needed and so I really enjoy it it's it's a not an escape it's it's an addition, right it's an addition to my life, and it, it gives
0: me a purpose That's uh, so I'm um, featured on my own podcast, which is <laughs> but actually it there's there's so many elements and and thank you for being so vulnerable and and sharing that and I think there are many people who. Mask the loneliness and self worth, and you know, and whichever way it comes out as a symptom, whether it's we're talking about substance here, but often it's around people pleasing, or it could be around shopping, or it could be around food, or it could be around giving. There's there's ways that you hide how you really feel about yourself, and yeah, I was I, so moved by your description of the theme and I can I can imagine it now and I'm you know and, and actually I am also so glad selfishly that you took up the suggestion of podcasting because you've been able to bring that out more and more to people and you know one of the one of the exercises that I do as a coach with people is and it's one that I've borrowed as, as well is you know, what's the thing you don't want people to know about you? and it stops people in their tracks and you can see a scram but you can see power that comes from actually let's get this let's get this out because your head makes it 10 times worse than it actually is and and human beings can surprise you i'm guessing that's something that you found Mm
1: -hmm. yeah you know you you talked you talked about the mask and and Um, Not a lot of people talk about the mask. You're only the second person that I've met that have talked about the mask, and I appreciate that. Um, I was really comfortable behind masks, right? Like, not physical masks, but like mental, metaphorical masks, right? Uh, I always showed up to work with a smile on my face because I didn't want anybody to know that I was struggling, right? I was, I, I held a position of power at work And I was just smiles, all smiles. You could never, you couldn't tell that I was struggling, right? You didn't know that I had an addiction. You didn't know that I was suicidal. You didn't know that I was struggling with my depression, that I was suffering from uh, anxiety, that I had zero sleep that night. Because I showed up to work and I put a smile on my face because that's what it was expected of me. And then when my world came crashing down and I was in the hospital, people were like, we never knew. And I said, I didn't want you to know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I didn't want you to know because that's not your burden. That's mine. And through my transformation, through my new beginnings, everything, I, I realized that the mask is not beneficial for me. Because if I'm masking anything, if I'm masking how I feel, I'm not communicating properly. Um, I'm not able to relate to other people because, yeah, I can you know, I can relate to myself, but I shut you out. And that's not beneficial to any part of my life. But then the vulnerability piece, um, I now, I've been told that I live in the deep end of things and that's what scares people because uh, I'm more comfortable in the deep end. I'm more comfortable talking about the issue of suicide. I'm more comfortable talking about depression, anxiety. Uh, I'm more comfortable talking about addiction, and how ugly it looks when we're in it. Also the recovery portion about diving deep into yourself and really exposing yourself like opening yourself up exposing yourself Not just to a counselor to your best friend to Your partner but to the world because that's the only way that people are going to be able to look at us and say Hey Alcoholics aren't just bums on the side of the road that you see Mm -hmm. under a bridge that are asking for money Alcoholic could look like you know the successful businessman down the road. That's that's in an ivory tower right this you know alcoholic could look like somebody that's wearing a uniform that is upholding the law we are all shapes and sizes we're not just a stereotypical uh figure
0: yeah it's kind of sense of high functioning (laughs) it's just like um that masking um there's a lot there's a lot i can relate in 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 terms of what you're saying there so i had a massive burnout in 2020 and it took people by surprise. Because I was the one who always had my shit together, I was the one who would be there to support other people, and you know nobody stopped to realize how much of a how much I'd kind of um hollowed myself out in doing that. so once I stopped, I felt a husk because that was really that was truly what was left because I'd done that because I'd been wearing the mask that long it just everything underneath it had Going, yeah. Anyway,
1: we we get to that point where I don't know if you got to that point, but I got to a point where I said, "I've always been here for everybody else. Why is nobody there for me?" And it's like I've made myself unavailable for people to come Mm -hmm. and check on me. Right? Um, I I wasn't (laughs) honest with people. I wasn't open or vulnerable with people. I said, "I'm fine." Here's a smile, and I'm going to (laughs) turn around, and you're you're going to see the back of my head um I didn't give people that chance to be there for me and really show me that they were trustworthy of my trust or that I was trustworthy of their trust um so yeah I I definitely shut people out in the process and then blame them because I shut them out you know
0: (laughs) yeah should we just should we just ban the words I'm fine (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah yeah, I was like
1: ask them again (laughs) yeah that that uh, you know that that's that's a very very uh (laughs) it's very rough because i know now if somebody says i'm fine like tell me how you really feel (laughs) (laughs) i've heard those words far too many times to know that you're not okay let's talk about it what's up
0: (laughs) Um, so through through your podcast, sitting with Sean, which I really recommend you watch, and and also I loved catching up on different YouTube stories because you know your journey as a podcaster has, has definitely been ups and downs. And when we've been setting this up, I, I'm, I've shared that I miss Fat Man because the first episode you had Fat Man in the background, um, but you can see how you've grown. Um, are there are there episodes? Are there people that have really stuck out? you or or themes that have come through that you you want to share
1: yeah so um I will say you know the growth is has been been great uh it's been awesome uh Batman um you know Batman was a standee he may make another appearance i might go buy one and put it back in the background you know but (laughs) that you know Batman was was in the background because I lived in Alaska and Batman was accessible to me, and uh, unfortunately, I no longer live in in Alaska. I live in West Virginia now, and that and Batman didn't make the trip with me. But we'll see. Yeah, he's, we a he's,
0: he's a busy man. He's a busy man.
1: He has no time for Sean. Okay, um, <laughs> but uh, as far as episodes, so I have two different projects that I'm working on. Uh, one is is recover out loud, where it's the recovery portion, but it's also there's uh, there's extraordinary, and I like to highlight normal, everyday people that, that don't really have a substance abuse problem, but that I find to be very inspirational. Whether it's through what they're doing or how they've how they've overcome the odds of their circumstance, uh, or or just changed their life for the better. And so um, I think one of my I I have I have a few a few dream recordings that i want to do um but i got one of them knocked out of the way and you and i were talking earlier and and i love supernatural things i love horror movies yeah. I'm a horror movie buff i love all of it actually not not too long actually this past weekend i got to drive by the steps uh that were uh in the exorcist so that was hey, pretty
0: cool. that's pretty cool
1: yeah, yeah it's pretty cool i took a picture of it when we were passing by um that was pretty cool but i got to um interview uh, a man by the name of ralph Sarchi and ralph uh, wrote a book called the De- uh, deliver us from evil and it ended up becoming a movie and i seen this movie and i was like hmm. what really attracted me to the movie was the soundtrack was predominantly the doors uh mm-hmm. so yeah i like the doors and cool. yeah and so um I you know, I started watching this movie and I was like, man, this is wild. And then at the end of the movie, it said, inspired by true events. And I said, oh, okay. Ah, this is about a police officer in New York City who, um, who encounters a paranormal case and he doesn't believe in the paranormal. And then one case that he encountered changed his, his view on, on everything. And uh, he became a demonologist. And I was like, that is super cool. Let me find this guy, see if he really exists. And when I looked up the name Ralph Sarchi on Facebook, his profile popped up. And I was like, oh, add his friend. Let's just take a shot in the dark. And this was like 2015, 2016. Maybe a little bit later than that. And uh, next day, Ralph Sarchi had you as a friend. I was like, oh, no way. <laughs> so him and i him and i became friends and we you know became not close but we became friends and uh i took a shot in the dark uh he's kind of retired from all the media stuff that he does now and i said ralph dude um i find you very inspirational and i, I want to hear your story i don't even know a lot of it i just know a fraction of it and he said absolutely so the very first recording that i did after moving from alaska to west virginia when i was still messed up up here i i did a recording with ralph and it was amazing i found out that not only was he a police officer and he's been a police officer for a long time he was he was at ground zero on 9 11. um and that he he was friends. I don't know, like how much you like watch horror movies, but he's friends, or he was friends, pretty much like a distant relative of Ed and Lorraine Warren, which was pretty awesome. They're they're demonologists, uh, and they do they they have the movies, the Annabelle movies, the Conjuring movies, all those. Um, the, those are based about them.
0: Okay. And
1: so this man has just lived this illustrious life, and I'm like, wow. Yeah. So like to get to see somebody, you know, and speak with somebody that um, that I've kind of followed for a while now and seen some of his work and seeing what he's done. It was just it was awesome to hear a story. And I was really nervous. I was like, hey, he's, you know, I was scared. And he and so I started to give him the layout on my show and he was like, I don't wanna know. I said, like, uh, why? And he was like, We're two friends talking. And I said, Okay. All right, this just makes everything so much easier.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh, so it was it was an awesome recording. I had so much fun. Um, I got to interview my dad a few times about his addiction, about his mental health struggle. Uh, I got to interview one of his longtime friends uh, that grew up with him, and he's been 20 years sober, so that was awesome. I got to um, interview two of my mentors, and that was awesome to hear their story. I've heard it before, but I had not heard everything, and it was pretty awesome. But for me i think every interview that i do is 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 significant because everybody brings something different to the table Mm -hmm. something so so small that they're like that they're like it's it's really inconsequential but it's it's really amazing to see their transformation to see that that moment that, that i call it an aha moment it's like i get it now that to me is the most beautiful thing that you will ever see aside from childbirth that is the most beautiful thing that you'll ever see is that moment when the light bulb comes on and they say, everything makes sense. Yeah.
0: Isn't it, sorry, it not the world really weird that, you know, we can have conversations with our friends and they're always at this level, at this level, at this level because, you know, sometimes it's not acceptable or you kind of, like the, the shields, the mask comes on it's like, no, I don't want to, don't want to let you this close. And then, through the power of a podcast you can have an interview and someone you know really shows their soul or you know shares where they've gone and you know, I, I think people are genuinely fascinating and you know I talk to people on the train I talk to people on the bus because I'm, I'm always curious about about their lives about their stories about their past and you know what, what you're describing in terms of the podcast is I guess you only know it if you're a podcaster but the chance to have really in depth big conversations and just explore people's stuff,
1: and you find out things about your friends that you never knew, right? Even yeah. if it's their your friends that you've known for a long time. I have a friend uh, for about twelve years now, and there was one detail she told me I never knew about. her. I never knew she was a heroin addict.
0: Never knew. Right. And she
1: she came out and said, "Yeah, I just celebrated my fourteen year clean." I said, "What?" I said, "What?" She was like, "Yeah, I was a, I was a heroin addict." And I said, "No way." And those are the small details that that like I, like I was mentioning earlier, the small little details that you're like that they're like, "Oh yeah, it is what it is." But you're like, "No, that is huge." I didn't know.
0: Yeah. So, um, this month we're talking all about the new beginnings, really, and and what that looks like, and you know, given your journey, given what you've explored with other people you know what what words of encouragement would you have what what recommendations would you make or you know ideas with
1: with, with new beginnings for me i know i had a big fear of the unknown right uh, especially now in my life uh when i went when i was living in alaska and i made this commute to west virginia i said so i don't know what's going to happen. But, you know, it's it's going to happen. And I just gonna have to roll with it. Um, I got here and I made the decision to stay. And when I made the decision to stay, it was just, I was so terrified because I was like, I don't know where I'm going to live. I don't know the car I'm going to drive. I don't know what I'm going to eat but all I know is that this is what feels right and I think right now in my life I'm just going to go with what feels right not what makes a logical sense because when we start stepping in the realm of this makes a logical sense we start making decisions that not necessarily beneficial to us so I started saying this feels right and when I started saying this feels right I think I'm gonna go for it I had no no chance to say hmm do I really want to do this? Because I, it was it felt right. And so I would say to anybody that's struggling with the the thought of of new beginnings or or want new beginnings, don't be afraid of the fear of, of the unknown. The unknown can bring so much beautiful. You know, it can bring so many life-altering events, beautiful events, even, even events that you look at and you're like, oh, this is gonna be absolutely terrible. It's gonna teach you, it's gonna teach you a lesson. And, and sometimes those hard lessons are the lessons that we need to learn in order to catapult us to the next level of who we are supposed to be. Um, sometimes, sometimes we need those, sometimes we need those proverbial car in the, in the wall, stop to get us to be, to stop and be like, okay, life Something in life needs to change. So, do not be afraid of the unknown. Don't be afraid of a situation that may happen that is bad, because it might lead you in a direction that you need to be on, not necessarily one that you're on right now.
0: Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, from from some of the other lessons that we we've, we've pulled through as well today, you know, today it's just like open up and trust the conversation, trust the person that you're with to to be vulnerable, I would take the leadership in, in sharing or hold a space that they can be vulnerable. Just check in with them really and say, you know what, it's safe for you to be honest. Are you really fine? What's really going on, dude? I wanna I wanna help, not just go, I mean to help yeah, <laughs> and have yeah. that just actually be there for all the the you know, for the for the dark truth as well as the light. Yeah, that's when we're most needed for each other.
1: Well, one of the, I, I hate, and, and I know hate's a strong word, I dislike the common sayings that you hear all the time. You know, when you're in AA, you hear, uh, you know, just come back or, or one day at a time. All those, like, sayings that you hear over time, I really don't like them, but they're all true. One that I really did not like hearing, but it was very true I, I, I actually... I do like it. It is uh, trust the process. Got to trust the process because sometimes the process is not meant to make us feel comfortable. And when we are comfortable, that's when we are at the most critical danger. So it's okay to be uncomfortable. It's all right to be uncomfortable. Live in an uncomfortability, wallow in it for a second, but realize that that uncomfortability is good for you because it's going to make it's it's going to get you to the next level of who you are.
0: Yeah. yeah yeah, for sure and whether that be the process of the process or whether that be the process of life is just uh you know if you're feeling comfortable you're not growing and you're here to grow and to help humanity to grow as well and keep moving forward yeah oh so how can people find you sean
1: oh you can find me on youtube apple or spotify um under sitting with sean you can look look for me there Um, We have new episodes coming up every Wednesday. I'm trying to upload a little bit more, like precise and frequently. I was doing it like Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and then I was like running out of content, so I just gotta stick to Wednesday, and I'll I'll be fine. Um, You can find me on Facebook uh, under Sean Young, S-E-A-N-Y-N-U-N-G. not the actress. Um, (laughs) um, You can find me on 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 you or on on Facebook and Instagram as well under uh, Sitting with Sean. That's the official public figures page you can reach out to me and talk to me anytime I'm pretty easy to talk to and then uh I'm on TikTok under the beard of West Virginia
0: (laughs) which which for those people who are listening to the show and not seeing (laughs) because Sean has a huge beard
1: (laughs) yeah yeah so so I actually trimmed it up recently it was a lot it was almost down to my belly button now it's down to my sternum yeah and I didn't, I didn't brush it out today. I didn't put, I normally I put product in it, but this morning I was like, you know what? I don't feel like being pretty this morning.
0: Feel hurt. Hey, hey. <laughs> you gotta
1: accept me for who I am. Okay. <laughs> I, know, I know. So,
0: so I want to, I want to thank you for, you know, opening up. I want to thank you for being you know a, a guest in this, in this theme of new beginnings. And I, I want to, Thank you for sharing and being vulnerable. And there are so many elements that for any of our listeners you can relate to and you can see and you can truly form better relationships. You can be a better human, you can be a better life companion to yourself. You're not necessarily for everybody just around you. Uh, and how important it is to show up because life's got some magic, but it wants to show you as well. Thank you, Sean. Just thank you for having us. Awesome. So, guys, thank you. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, or if the, if you want to share with any of your friends or loved ones, then please do. Um, just like comment below. Uh, we've got some more episodes coming up this month in, in the theme of new beginnings and you know, really starting to empower you, give you some gifts that are going to help you feel that you're in control. So you can capture some of the magic of this season. It's just beautiful. So keep. Watching, listening, however you consume and and reach on out, and thank you very much. Cheers, bye bye. Thank you for listening. We'd love to hear your comments and feedback. And if you've enjoyed it, please click on that subscribe button. Give us a thumbs up, and feel free to share. Join us for our next episode of the Exponential Potential Podcast. Ignite your potential and thrive in times of great change.